Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, March 9th, 2017. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 13, the first full paragraph, beginning, At the hospital, I was separated from alcohol for the last time. Today's readers are Tenzin P. on the 12 Steps, Kathy C. on the 12 Traditions, and reading the text are Rachel N. M., Amanda R., and Leslie M. Our newcomer greeter is Christine K., and our leader for the second hour is Hoodie R. The reference number for yesterday, March 8th, Wednesday for the 7 a.m. meeting is 9695, and for the 10 a.m. East Coast meeting, the number is 9697. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contribution, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive eating, compulsive overeating, can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Tenzin P. to read the 12 steps of OA. Good morning, everyone. Tenzin, gratefully recovering compulsive eater. The 12 steps of OA. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to 
to do so would injure them or others. 10, continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tenzin P. And I will now ask Kathy C. to read the 12 traditions of OA. Good morning, everybody. My name is Kathy C., and I am a compulsive overeater from Montreal, Canada. The 12 traditions. Tradition 1, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement of OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy C. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 13, the first full paragraph, and I will ask Rachel N.M. to read three paragraphs, sharing on the third. Please go ahead, Rachel. 
Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, all. This is Rachel N.M. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and anorexic from Ohio. At the hospital, I was separated from alcohol for the last time. Treatment seemed wise, for I showed signs of delirium tremens. There I humbly offered myself to God, as I then understood him, to do with me as he would. I placed myself unreservedly under his care and direction. I admitted for the first time that of myself I was nothing, that with him, without him I was lost. I ruthlessly faced my sins and became willing to have my newfound friend take them away, root and branch. I have not had a drink since. My schoolmate visited me, and I fully acquainted him, acquainted him with my problems and deficiencies. We made a list of people I had hurt or toward whom I felt resentment. I expressed my entire willingness to approach these individuals admitting my wrong. Never was I to be critical of them. I was to write all such matters to the utmost of my ability. What we see in this um, the story of Bill's experience, um, I, I think we see steps one through eight working on nine. Um, and what comes to me and from my experience is how simple it is. It all happens very quickly, and it's 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 very straightforward and um, not complicated. Um, one thing that especially uh, was meaningful to me is where it says that I fully acquainted him with my problems and deficiencies. And I would say that has been a huge change in my life. I no longer have secrets. Um, I, I no longer have things that I'm ashamed of that are hidden in my heart that I hope no one will find out, whether it's um, – and, and, you know, sometimes it might simply be a deficiency of my, on my part, but it's no longer a secret. And then I was to set – I was to write all such matters to the utmost of my ability – that's very simple. Um, we can't make everything right, but we can do our best and what we think God would have us to do and leave the rest with him um, because we are now under his care and his direction. We now believe that he will care for us and he will care for others, and we don't have to um, make things perfect but we have to be honest with ourselves with another person, and we have to um, not be um, – we have to be willing to make things right and to not save our own face. And my experience with this has been um, has been life-saving, um, and I'm so thankful for the program and for what God has done for me through it. I pass. Thank you, Rachel and M. Who would like to share on the third paragraph that Rachel read? Kim this is Larry. Harlan G. Okay, I have Kim G, Larry K, Harlan G. Who else? Valerie D. Was that Sherry D? Valerie B. Oh, Valerie B. I'm sorry, Valerie. Valerie B. Who else? Melissa C. Melissa yeah. C. And we'll take one more. 
Shannon S. Shannon S. Thank you. Okay. So we have Kim G, Larry K, Harlan G, Valerie B, Melissa C, and Shannon S. Please go ahead, Kim. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. You know, as we go through the page 13, we're going to see Bill basically take steps 3 through 12. I mean, that's amazing. If we think about how this story was presented to us, you know, pages 1 through 8 is step 1, pages 8 through 12 is step 2, and then basically in page 13 and 14, he's going to take the rest of the steps. That basically is encapsulating what this program is, how this program, even the first 164 pages are laid out. Because really, the first 103 pages are steps 1 through 12. After 103 is about what life is like after we're recovered. So 103 pages, I'm a knowledge person, people. 103 pages plus the doctor's opinion is 112 pages. Steps 1, 2, and 3 is actually the first 72 pages. So 65% of the first 164 pages is specifically trying to get us to come to steps 1, 2, and 3 come to the conclusion that we're powerless. That's a really big conclusion. Not only that I have the allergy of the body, which will never change, but I, my true powerlessness is in, the, is in my mind's inability to understand the allergy, which will always bring me back to picking up. That's where I'm really powerless. That's where I need the steps. That powerlessness can, can propels me to the conclusion I need a power. I don't need to know what that power is. I don't have to have any belief in a guide. I just have to know that I'm not God, the belief that I am a screw-up in my life. And then in step three, I'm coming to the decision of what life is like when Kim's in charge. That's what step three is. Step three is the acknowledgement of what life is life on self-will, that I'm in a self-imposed crisis, that I am the maker of my own misery, that I'm selfish and self-centered to the core, and I'm going to make a decision to turn away from that way of life to a God-centered way of life. I have no idea how to do that. None in step three. I'm making a decision to learn how to do that. And then in step four, it tells us to, 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 to do this inventory promptly and without regret. I spent years in the fourth step. It's a bunch of lists. It's not supposed to take a lot of time. And then I go into step five, where I have a long talk with someone, one session. It's not supposed to be pushed out over weeks and months to give the fifth step. After I give my fifth step, I reflect for an hour on the first five steps. I come back, I do six and seven and eight, probably takes like 10, 15 minutes. I then start to make some amends, and as, as I make that first amends, I am immediately, it says, as we clean up the past, we do 10 and 11. And the only way I'm going to keep this is if I do step 12. Look at how that pace is. The pace that Bill is doing is the pace that we learned that. And it says here, I'm going to end with this, that I have to live in 10, 11, and 12. Living in 10, 11, and 12 is doing all 12 steps. Because 1011 is simply taking that skill set of four through nine, doing it on a daily basis. And if I am working with other people, I am teaching one, two, and three on a daily basis. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Larry K., please go ahead. Good morning, Kathy. Can you hear me all right? I can. Okay, good, good, good. Larry K., recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with Kim on that. Look at the pace in which... He moves through this stuff. You know, I've, I've been um, scolded a couple of times um, when I share at meetings about, uh, not scolded, that's too strong of a word, but I share about how the steps, at least I've learned from others, about how the steps 
are meant to be worked immediately and quickly. And I've had this kind of debate before, you know, uh, that, you know, someone once told me, you know, you're going you're gonna to harm newcomers. You know, they, they only have a few days, a few weeks, or a few months. I mean, who could possibly be ready to do the work yet? You know, that these, these members should just go to meetings for a while, and eventually they'll know when they're ready to get into the program if they don't relapse first. Of course they do. See, I don't agree with that. I don't agree that we first get our life together and then turn to God, to our higher power. See, I think that we turn to God first through these steps, and only then do we begin to get our life together. That's exactly what the steps are about, getting, getting God into this, into this deal, becoming unblocked. And, you know, if we, we look here, we see um, my schoolmate, Ebby Thatcher, visited me. And I fully acquainted him with my problems and deficiencies, what later became step five. We made a list of people I had hurt and toward whom I felt resentment. I expressed my entire willingness to approach these individuals, admitting my wrong, what later became step eight. Never was I to be critical of them. I was to write all such matters to the utmost of my ability, what later became step nine. See how quickly he moved through this? You're, oh, oh, you're, you're going to pick up. We, we need to have a spiritual awakening sufficient to drive out this obsession. It's not so much relapse or a slip. It's untreated. It's an untreated condition. The steps were meant to be worked very rapidly. And I found that out experientially myself. After being in program for going on five years, I saw how quickly this can happen. And then it occurred to me that Bill, Bob, alcohol number three, alcoholic number three, they moved through this stuff very rapidly. And, 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 uh, and Bill never drank again. Bob never drank again. So thank God for these steps and these instructions. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Harlan G., please go ahead. I'm Harlan G. I'm a, compulsive, a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. Good morning, Kathy, and thank you to Team Thursday. Can I be heard? Am I coming across? Yes. Yes, you are, Harlan. Harlan, now we can. Okay, I thought I was having some technical difficulties there. Am I okay now? Yes, you are. Okay, okay, thank you. We read in the yesterday that Bill took steps one, two, three, four, six, and seven. Let's take a look in keeping with what was just said. My schoolmate visited me. That's Abby Thatcher, as was just said. I fully acquainted him with my problems and deficiencies, step five. We made a list of people I had hurt or toward whom I felt resentment. Excuse me. Eight, I expressed my entire willingness to approach these individuals. Nine, admitting my wrong. Nine, never was I to be critical of them. Ten, in other words, admitted when I was wrong. When I was wrong, promptly admitted, probably, sorry. I'm probably sorry. I was to write all such matters to the utmost of my ability. It's early in the morning. My cup isn't working. Okay. I was to write all such matters to the utmost of my ability. So we see a quick progression through the steps here, but there's something else that's happening here that is going to change the book and change the way we have our meetings and change uh, the fellowship. Eddie Thatcher when he visits Bill in the hospital, 
in December of 1934, Bill goes in on the 11th, this is on the 13th, and then the 14th is when Evie comes. He is going to bring with him a book written by a man called William James, and it is called The Varieties of Religious Experience. And The Varieties of Religious Experience is really painful reading. It's early 20th century language. It's just, you plod through it. It's just, it's torture, really. But what this book is, is a series of stories of how people found God. In other words, what they were like, what happened, and what they're like now. And that is the reason, the influence of this book by William James is the reason that we have the stories that we have for identification purposes in the back of the book. So it is the influence of this book that was widely read throughout the Oxford Group uh, the Oxford Group meetings, the Oxford Group Fellowship, the varieties of religious experience that is going to influence the way we have student meetings, the way we have the back of the big book, and the fellowship. So this is a very, very historically important day. And then tomorrow we're, we're going to see him take step 11. And then next week on page 14, while I lay in the hospital, is the beginning of that paragraph. We're going to see that he's going to stay, take step 12. My brain isn't working. But he's also going to have on page 14 a vital and profound spiritual experience. But in the paragraph that we just read, we are going to see him working 5, 8, 9, and 10 and then tomorrow we're going to see him work alone so we can see how quickly he moves through. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan G. Valerie B., please go ahead. Hello. Um, I just want to thank you all for serving. And um, I, uh, my name is Valerie B. I'm from Maryland. And um, the thing that struck me the most when we read this passage was how he totally surrendered. He said he was ready to have God remove his sins, branch, root, everything. He was done. He couldn't. He realized he can't do it anymore. Um, he's not God. He he he's down for the count. And I noticed. Um, sometimes with my life, uh, that when I'm doing well, you know, when I'm, when I'm walking it with the steps and, and, you know, I'm, you know, my life is going good, all of a sudden I start thinking, wow, look what I did. And that's when I, that's when, that's when my house crashes. And um, I need to remember every day and I'm so grateful for you guys, and I'm so grateful for this meeting because every day I'm reminded I can't do it, that I have to stay surrendered. I have to stay surrendered to God. I have to stay surrendered to, um, to, to go to any length for my recovery and, and, to keep, and to keep God first and to continue to surrender my will, you know, um, and, uh, and my life. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Valerie B. 
Melissa C., please go ahead. Hi, good morning, Kathy Kay. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, what really strikes me this morning is how um, this real, this is the work of a lifetime. You know, this is um, not just a one-time deal, you know, that we, um, especially the part about, um, you know, having honest conversations, identifying um, our weaknesses, our deficiencies, and then righting those wrongs of people and not being critical, you know, never to criticize them. Um, and, and that's, um, you know, yes, we do that work when, you know, when we go through our eighth and ninth step, when we go through the fifth step, but that is the work of a lifetime because every day, you know, out in the world, I'm interacting with people who, um, you know, do their own thing and piss me off. And, you know, and I have to be very um, mindful about who I have conversations with about coworkers, about a boss, about my kids. Um, you know, the old um, disease me would pick the people that would be on my side. You know, I could tell them um, not my part, not my weaknesses, my, my deficiencies, but everybody else's. And I would get a sympathetic you know, nod, approval, or, yeah, they're so wrong. Um, and that is really easy to jump into in a workplace. Um, that seems like uh, there's people all around who love nothing more um, to join me in that. And yet um, this program of recovery has taught me I need to be somewhat selective about who I carry my complaints to. And thank God that I have a fellowship because um, – I bring this stuff to recovered people, and I don't get, yeah, they're so wrong, and and I don't get those nods of, of uh, how right I am. I get reminders of what's your fear, what's your part, you know, um, what's the lie you're telling yourself, and um, thank God, thank God, thank God I have a willingness to do this, um, and that I have you here who teach me that because um, that's how, you know, that's how we don't return. That's how we can stay um, recovered, you know, and the food truly lost its appeal um, because of this, because I own my part. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Shannon F., please go ahead. Hi there. This is Shannon. Can you hear me? Okay. I can. Okay, great. Um, the words that come to mind when I hear and read this paragraph is healthy desperation. Um, I used to feel that hitting my knees and surrendering and saying, God, I can't do this. This show is yours today, was coming from a place of shame and almost like, well, it's like, I'm a failure, so I, I need to turn to you at this point. But really, the truth and the honesty is that there is a, such a gift and a beauty of saying, you know what, God, um, my finite self really only goes so far. And what I really want is to open up to your infinite power, not necessarily from a selfish, greedy standpoint, but because there is such a beauty in that. 
Um, and I find that I need to have a level of desperation to really fuel the passion of this paragraph. So what I've been doing is trying to take the energy of this paragraph on a daily basis that as soon as I wake up and start thinking or doing anything throughout the day is um, doing some sort of an energetic surrender, whether it be on my knees or sitting or laying down, doesn't matter, but just really to feel that surrender beyond just thinking it before I move on to the day because I've had many days where it's like, okay, God, I'm awake, I surrender. Now I want to go off and have breakfast. See you later. Goodbye. So not really a true, genuine surrender, but really to say that, God, I am like just flesh and blood and can only go so far, but if I open my spiritual door to let you flow in me, we're going to see some freaking awesome miracles happen throughout the day, whether they're big or small. But that has to be done by not just surrendering and just saying, okay, I'm yours. It does take action on that part where we release our our junk in the trunk and the rest of the steps. I mean, this that's a huge part of what I see of this program is, is get the junk out of the trunk so it can be untangled so that we can let God's love flow through us so that we can be a, an efficient and purposeful human being rather than a liability on this earth. So that's what comes to my mind. That's what I can share. And um, I love you all, and I am looking forward to connecting with you more. Shannon from Minnesota. Thank you, Shannon S. Who else would like to share on this third paragraph that we read? Tina S. Renata. Tina S. Renata G. Who else? Greg S. Craig F. Renee C. Renee C. One more? Nancy H. Nancy H. Okay, thank you all. Uh, Tina S., please go ahead. Thanks, Kathy, for your service. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater Anorexic in Florida. And heard some really great shares. Grateful to be on the line. And, uh, you know, I, too, love the fact that in one simple paragraph, you know, I can be doing steps four through eight and uh, ready to do nine. And that's what it tells me in this particular paragraph. And, you know, I'm so grateful because when I came to Overeaters Anonymous in 1987, you know, I was, uh, this was the, the treatment that was given to me. Okay. Now that's not my absent date. It is 1999. But when I came back in in 1999 in the group's from where I'm from in Orlando, I had a woman who uh, was my sponsor who did this deal through the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I'm so grateful for that because not everybody had that has that opportunity today. And, and I love the fact that in my face-to-face meeting, I can be that example if someone chooses to do it this way, you know, because I'm all about the fact that we do not have a monopoly on God. I have a way out that works for me, and it is through the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And when uh, if somebody is the compulsive eater like I am, this is all that works for me, okay? And, I, and I'm not here to tell you this works for you, but if you want to give it a shot, I am so grateful and happy to, to take you through the deal, you know? And, and, it's, and I'm grateful that, you know, this, is, this starts at four in this particular paragraph. So, you know, I have to do, I have to have already done one, two, th- one, two, and three. And, you know, and three for me was like we shared yesterday, just making a decision to go on with the rest of the steps. You know, because when I come here thinking, you know, I was raised Catholic, so I came here and somebody else shared this yesterday. I thought I had one, two, and three just made, 
you know, because I believe there was a God, yeah, for sure, but I didn't believe there was a God that worked in my life, you know, so today with the opportunity to have a solution, you know, to, to have people in my life through which the problem has been solved and to do this still the way they're, they're doing it is such a gift, such a gift, and I, am, and I am so about giving it away, so about giving it away for the people that, who are willing to do it. And, um, and there's some that aren't. And so with that, I'll pass. Great to, grateful to be here. Thank you, Tina S. Renata G., please go ahead. Thank you so much for your service, Kathy. Good morning, family. This is Renata G., recovered compulsive reader in Istanbul. It's been a long time. Um, I want to focus here on step eight and nine. Uh, you know, what came up for me today was that you know, by now, like the book says, I've realized that I hurt some people, you know, and uh, I remember for me, it was really hard to to go to those people and make amends. I was, I remember being really terrified and calling recovered people and asking them, how did you do it? What happened? Are you okay? Like, you know, I, and uh, I know, you know, my experience has been that a lot of sponsees, you know, go out on step nine because, you know, they become overtaken by fear. And um, one awareness I have today is that, you know, if I, if I continue to play God, right, to be in the outcome business, if I keep trying to predict how the amends are going to go, you know, in my mind, they're always worse, and they're terrifying, my fears are crazy, but, you know, by step nine, I, the steps had taught me how to trust and rely on a power greater than myself, on a power greater than myself, and the book says here that my job is to express the willingness to do it, not to deliver the outcome, that's all I have to do, I need to show up, you know, follow the instructions that I was given, you know, with my amends, by my sponsor, by my recovered tellers, and just, you know, show up and do my part and let, leave the rest for, for my higher power, for, for God. You know, I need to keep the, the focus on me, right, because all that I can change is myself with God's help. And that's the whole goal, right? To have a personality change sufficient, sufficient about, uh, enough to bring about recovery, you know? And so this is the first time I go to people and not like pointing fingers, but focus on what I have done and then really leave the results up to, to a higher power, which is much better than when I was trying to get results on my own. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Renata G. Craig F., please go ahead. Yeah, this is Craig F., recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, I, I'm always I'm impressed with the speed which, which, with which they work through the steps. Um, I, if I've told this story before, forgive me if you heard me, but uh, I was in an AA meeting uh, 20 years ago, and uh, it was a big meeting. They brought a a uh, speaker in from out of town, and uh, the guy was from Akron, Ohio, and he'd uh, su- he'd sobered up with Dr. Bob and the and the in the original group one, and uh, the guy was pretty old. He was blind. He was so old that they two people kind of had to hold him up to the podium for him to speak. But uh, anyway, he what he 
said was he talked about he came to his first meeting and uh, uh, sat there. He was less than 24 hours sober. He'd had a drink in less than 24 hours before that. But he sat there through the meeting, and when the meeting was done, two guys took him to a table and started talking to him, and they said, uh, we're going to assume since you're here that uh, you know that you're uh, powerless over alcohol that's messed your life up. And he said he agreed that it had, and he said, do you believe that God can uh, restore you to sanity? And he says, I believe that. And uh, they uh, asked him to pray with him, and they turned his life and will over the care of God, and he and then he and then they said, okay. They took out a, a a napkin and they said, no. What what have you done? And he said, well, I told this lie and that lie and this lie. And they wrote liar on the napkin. And he said, I stole this and stole that. And they wrote thief on the napkin. And and uh, then they got down to causes and conditions. They asked him why he did those things, and and he told them why he thought he did those things. And they went on and they made a list of people that he that he uh, had hurt and. And uh, he was, uh, he did steps one through eight sitting at that table in that meeting. And, you know, I was sitting there, been in program for a number of years already. And, you know, I'd spent the last six months before that looking for the right book and the right pen to write my fourth step with. You know, that was a, that was a six month process. And I was struggling with, uh, I was struggling with knowing what to say and and uh it just that whole thing hit me like a ton of bricks what part of what hit me was understanding that bridge between the fourth and the fifth step the the causes and conditions why did i do those things and the nature of my wrongs and and, and part of what hit me was that this guy said he'd not drank again you know that was from the 30s to the 80s i mean to the 90s and he he had not drank again and uh he he was um, and here he was sober and recovered and he he said he'd work the steps again of course but um i was sitting there struggling in and out in and out and and uh, not uh, just plain simply doing the action you know that that was uh, that that was like a ton of bricks and i wish i i, I wish i'd have been able i was able to say that uh, I took it to heart, and the, the uh, birds chirped, and the bluebirds sang, and you know all that fairy tale stuff. Because it took a while, a lot more struggle for me to get here. But uh, uh, that's has more to do with my hard headedness and, and my uh, willfulness than anything else. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Craig S. Renee C. Please go ahead. Good morning, Kathy Kay. This is Renee C., Grateful Recovering Compulsive Overeater from outside of Philadelphia. So powerful, this, these paragraphs, and especially as Bill W. is working his steps, as we all work our steps, as I work my steps on an ongoing and daily basis. And I loved what's been shared about you know, the quickness with which he did these steps. And he's speaking now, of course, of steps eight and nine to have uh, the resentment removed, to make a list of people he had hurt or toward whom he felt resentment, and then to express entire willingness to approach these individuals admitting my wrong 
Never was I to be critical of them. I was to write all such matters to the utmost of my ability. And I'm right on the precipice of finishing 6 and 7 and looking forward to 8 and 9. And um, this process is really powerful. You know, there is a power. That power is my higher power, whom I choose to call God. And it's not me. And I'm not doing anything but the footwork. My higher power heals me on an ongoing basis of all of these defects of character, of all of these faults, of all of these, the lying, the cheating, the stealing, the things that I did all my life, you know. And someone in program said to me, your higher power has already forgiven you. You need to forgive yourself as well. And with that, I uh, I think I will end my share. I'm really grateful. I'm having some very significant health challenges. And um, just so grateful that I woke up again this morning and, uh, you know, that I have another day and another day to work this beautiful program of action and recovery. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Renee C. Nancy H., please go ahead. Hi, this is Nancy H., um, recovering compulsive overeater from New Jersey. Um, Thank you all for your service, and I really love this meeting. This is my first time speaking in the morning, so I'm kind of excited about that. Um, I just want to share that I absolutely love this process. Um, I had been in OA about 20 years ago and um, struggled. I did not go through the steps the way that um, I'm doing now, the big book way. And um, although I had two years of abstinence, I went back out and had a long 20-year relapse. Um, Now, I've been back since July and working the steps this way with a sponsor, and I'm so grateful. She kept telling me, um, listen to a vision for you in the morning. It really works. And now I've been listening to it, like, almost religiously for a couple of weeks. And I feel this incredible spiritual awakening in addition to working the steps with my sponsor. So I've been in, um, also been in uh, AA for 30 years, but yet never quite worked the steps this way. So I'm experiencing abstinence, um, and I feel truly blessed. Uh, I can't even tell you. I'm having dreams about being, I don't know, awakened or just feeling really grateful. And I know it's not me. I know it's God, and I know that Nothing is going to save me this time but intensive work with other people. So I'm looking forward to completing the first 164 pages and moving on from there. Again, thank you, thank you, thank you for this meeting. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you, Nancy H. Okay, who else would like to share this morning? Lisa B. Lisa R. Rasa O. Lisa B. Who else? Nessa R. Nessa R. Leslie M. Leslie M. And we'll take one more, see how we do. Is there someone else? Okay. Rose M. Rosa? Rose M. Oh, okay. And Raquel. Okay. If you didn't find the one more person, I would share Okay, I got Rose and and then you, Raquel, if we have time. 
Okay, Rasta O, please go ahead. Rasta, press star one to unmute. Sorry, Sorry. thank you. I was muted. Uh, good morning, everyone. Thank you, Kathy, for your service. And I am grateful, recovered, compulsive Ovida, calling from Florida. The biggest and the biggest action I took uh, when I surrendered to God with the food addiction. There was nothing more that I wanted than just to stop eating like I was eating after trying to diet for so long, so many years, uh, like everybody else tried everything. I just could not do it. And even before I, before I found the program, I surrendered to the food because I remember saying, there's nothing more that's going to, you know, I can try. It's, there's nothing. I'm just going to die fat and miserable, excuse me, to say this, but that's how I felt. And uh, and I had the the gift of desperation. I got my abstinence right from the beginning, and uh, I had been abstinent for quite a you know maybe few weeks or whatever. And my sponsor says, "Now you have to give it away." I said, "What do you mean I got to give it away? I got nothing to give it away. Nothing to give." Well, she said, "You now you need to share how you got your abstinence and how God is giving you the strength, the power to stay abstinent." You know, I thought I didn't. I needed to go through the whole twelve steps to do it, and then you know I had a fear of uh, sharing. So gradually, little by little, you know, I, I, I just I would read a little bit the tools and stuff, and then finally she said, "Okay, now it's, it's time. It's time to move along. Now you got to go to step four and five and six, seven, nine. I thought I'm going to do that. Well, she said, "Now you got to ask God to give you the strength. How God is giving you the power." to be abstinent one meal at a time, one day at a time. Now you're going to depend on God to get you through the steps. And I said, I don't know if I can do that. She said, well, God is helping you with being abstinent. God is not going to leave you. God is going to be right there to help you in spite of your fears. Go through the fear, and God is going to help you. And, uh, again, I was led to do one step at a time. Uh, You know, I did the first three steps. And then I kept on going to step meetings, and I would hear how the people did steps six, seven, eight before I start, before I did those steps. So, you know, and I was led to do it by my higher power, and there were other people to help me. And this is my mission to help others. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Lisa B., please go ahead. Good morning. This is Lisa. Can you hear me? I can. Thank you. Thank you. This is Lisa B., a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And I love this reading. I love it. Again, I'm identifying so much with Bill. And this takes me back to page 62 in the big book where it says selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, self-pity. And I continue to learn so much each day, living actively in steps 10, 11, and 12. And one of the things that I've learned is that when I'm disturbed, there is something wrong with me. And I know we've heard that, you know, for years in our literature, but I'm really getting that, you know, from my head to my heart at deeper levels. And when someone is disturbed, um, I think it's about me. You know, that's that self-centeredness and that fear that I've done something wrong, that it may not have anything to do with me. And um, that's one of the things that I've struggled with my whole life. And it's such a freedom to 
not think everything evolves around me. And then the other thing, um, you know, that speaks to me is that getting down to causes and conditions, um, it says on page 64, so we had to get down to causes and conditions. Our liquor was but a symptom. And, you know, um, in AA I've heard that alcoholism doesn't come in a bottle. You know, the bottle of alcohol is fine. The package of potato chips or Twix bars or Kit Kat bars, um, you know, those are really fine. The the ism is in me. The sickness is in me. I need to get down to causes and conditions. So I'm so grateful for this reading. Um, the thinking, thinking of myself, me, 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 you know, trying to analyze, trying to figure myself out. I'm really good at sitting down journaling all about myself and my problems and struggles and how can we evolve and get better. But the solution is to get into these steps and then actively work with others, call newcomers, work with my sponsees, actively be doing my 1011 steps. And with that, I pass. Thank you all for sharing. I've, helped. I've gotten so much from it. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa B. Nessa R., please go ahead. Hi, thank you. Good morning, Vision for You. This is uh, Nessa R. Recovered in Toronto, Canada. And, you know, I, I've been thinking, you know, what does a newcomer see when they come into the rooms? And, of course, it depends on which room they walk into. But, you know, like they might see other newcomers like themselves, you know, people who are coming in for the first, second, or third time, you know, who are fat and sad. Um, they might see some thin people who still have a big chip on their shoulder. Um, they might see um, other fat people who talk about relapse and, you know, things like that. And if they're lucky, depending on the room that they walk into, they might see someone in whom the problem has been solved. But whatever it is that they see, they only see one point in time. They don't see the past um, of any of those people in the room. And so, you know, of course, the newcomers don't say anything. So the people who share are the people who have relapsed, you know, the fat people who have relapsed, the, um, and the thin people who have a chip on their shoulder. And a newcomer might think, like, oh, my goodness, what am I walking into? Like, this is really uh, nothing that can help me here. Um, and then, you know, they listen to the people who have recovered, and they might, they, they might identify out thinking, you know, like, you have everything going for you. You're in a normal body. You have a good life. You're happy, joyous, and free. You don't know what it's like to be me because they didn't know what this person was like before their recovery. So, you know, they just might find reasons why, you know, um, there's nothing in it for, for them. So, you know, if they're fortunate enough to find a recovered sponsor who's well acquainted with the big book and they, they ask to read this story, you know, Bill's story is like the ultimate qualification of what it was like, what happened and what we are like now, you know, with which they can identify if they are open-minded enough and substitute alcohol for food and are able to see the depths of misery to which this addiction can take us. And then if they can see what happened, i.e., you know, Bill was separated from alcohol one last time, meaning he put down the drink for good. He ended this abusive relationship, um, became 100% abstinent. Then he worked the steps in order and quickly. And then um, he had a, a beautiful life of 
of contentment based on his relationship with his newfound solution, um, which is God and being of service to others. Um, and, you know, this is, I think, what Bill's story is supposed to, to show us, to show us the depth of the misery so we truly feel hopeless. Then it shows us, you know, the simple things we need to do. And then finally, the promise of a much better life that is at our fingertips if only we follow in Bill's footsteps. And to me, this is just a brilliant writing and uh, something that gives me, gives me much, much hope and, um, and uh, promise for the future, and I pass. Thank you, Nessa R. Leslie M., please go ahead. Good morning. This is Leslie M., Kathy K., thank you for your service. Um, um, the part in, the, in this paragraph that I identified with the most was we made a list of people I had hurt or to whom I felt resentment. I expressed my entire willingness to approach these individuals admitting my wrong. And um, I think the reason I can identify with this so much this morning is that I do have an amends to make this morning. I had spoken with someone uh, yesterday and I wasn't very nice about it. Um, it was all about me. And I, I, you know, I really sometimes find that I need to get angry in order to uh, stand up for myself. And that's not how I want to behave anymore. So, um, you know, I have that amends to make when I get off the phone here. And, um, but I, I, you know, this reading this, this book this way, uh, you know, paragraph by paragraph, studying it, listening to the other shares has just been so uh, unbelievably uh, helpful and um, enlightening for me. And, um, you know, I can now say that I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and, um, you know, know that I'm not God, you know, that there is a God and I'm not it. Um, and uh, thank you very much for your service. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Leslie. Um, Rose, do you think I just ask what pages you're reading, please? And sorry to interrupt. Page 13, the first three paragraphs. Thank you. Okay, uh, Roseanne, we have uh, just a minute and a half for you this morning. And Raquel, I hope you'll stay to share after announcements. Please go ahead, Rose. Hi, uh, my name is Roseanne. Hi. Oh, I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, my name is Rose M. Um, I'm from the Philadelphia area. Um, and uh, when I um, was looking at this paragraph, um, it really, um, really reminded me of um, when I when I was first um, looking at doing this program, um, really jumping headfirst into it. Um, and I knew that I knew I started learning about the fourth step, and I thought to myself, you know, how um, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this with um, with a kiddo and uh, my son is five? Um, I uh, I take care of my husband who has a spinal cord injury. Just life is like really busy, um, and I had tried so much stuff um, that just um, left me feeling miserable and like a failure. And um, I didn't know if I wanted to um, go through something else that was going to make me feel like a failure. Um, but after I hit the third step. Um, I just had this peace, just this, um, just this wonderful peace that this was safe, that this process was safe, um, and that I was going to be okay. And, um, you know, I kept asking myself, how are they going to do this? But then I realized the question was really, how am I 
how am I not going to do this? How am I going to let my how am I going to let my son watch me die and just be miserable every day and not be able to really interact with him? Um, you know, how, how am I not going to do this? Because I knew on the other end of it was a God who loved me and, you know, wanted me to be healed. And even just, just I mean, it, it's amazing how, how, you know, even he even knew that just psychologically, just our bodies, our very beings just can't handle this unresolved resentment, um, this unresolved fears, just um, that we need to we need to do this um, to be healthy again. Um, so that's what the fourth step became to me. Just um, it, it's something I I had to do, um, and I knew that um, I could trust the God that was calling me to do this. Um, and you know, the other thing is, you know, when I was talking to another fellow the other day. Um, you know, during a 10th step, um, you know, it's not about, um, at some point, it's got to stop being about keeping score. Um, you know, of course, when someone hurts us, um, we may be completely justified in saying, I'm angry, that was wrong. And yes, of course, what's done to you may have been completely unjustified and wrong. Um, but at some point, um, we have to own up to our part. We have to stop keeping score. Um, and the other thing, um, uh, Lori C. actually wrote a little bit about this, is that I went through um, a lot of abuse as a child. Um, and so um, where the fourth step played in, um, you know, with my background for me was that, um, uh, you know, it's not our fault that we were abused. You know, of course it's not. Um, you know, it, it's it's awful when someone has to when someone goes through something like that. You don't have to ever go through something like that. Um, but the thing is, um, oh, I'm sorry. I'll just finish really quick. The thing is, um, we um, victimize ourselves when we um, keep those people who abused us in our heads, um, and we need to let them go. We need to stop victimizing ourselves if we've been abused. Um, so for me, that's how it played out in the fourth step. Um, thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you, Rose, and uh, it's now time to close our meeting. Thank you to everyone who has shared. I want to tell you that the share ID for today's 7 a.m. meeting on March 9th, 2017 is 9705. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. Uh, Raquel, I hope you'll join us then. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Amanda R., would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hello, this is Amanda R. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Maine. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. 
Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to Him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.